Well, um, Pastor Daniel has asked me to share on the last spiritual discipline that we're going to cover, and it's on celebration. And um, it's amazing that some of the things that we already shared today is actually we're going to share again. And, and so I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bible back to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, we're going to be talking about the, the spiritual discipline of celebration. While you turn to Matthew 21, and if you want to put your finger in your place, if you have your hard copy Bible to John chapter 12. Father, I pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, I pray for an anointing. I pray, Father, that you would speak to us like we've prayed, like Pastor Daniel just prayed. And God, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that celebrate the reality and the truth of who you are. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Well, I want to share it with you from the Passion Translation, some of these verses in Matthew 21, uh, starting at verse 1. It says, Now as they were approaching Jerusalem, they arrived at the place of the stables near the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead, saying, As soon as you enter the village, you will find a donkey tethered along with her young colt. <coughs> Untie them both and bring them to me. And if anyone stops you and asks, what are you doing, just tell them, the Lord of all needs them, and he will let you take them. All of this happened to fulfill the prophecy. Tell Zion's daughter, look, your king arrives. He's coming to you humbly, sitting on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. <coughs> so the two disciples went on ahead and did as Jesus had instructed them. So they brought the donkey and her colt to him and placed their cloaks and prayer shawls on the colt, and Jesus rode on it. Then an exceptionally large crowd gathered and carpeted the road before him with their cloaks and prayer shawls. Others cut down branches from the trees to spread in his path. In his path, Jesus rode in the center of the procession, crowds going before him and crowds coming behind him. And then they all shouted, bring the victory. Now this is the Passion Translation, which we're going to get into that in a second. Lord, Son of David, he is the blessed one that's sent from the Lord Yahweh. We celebrate with praises to God in the highest. As Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people went wild with excitement. <clears throat> the entire city was thrown into an uproar, and some asked, who is this man? And the crowd shouted back, this is Jesus. He's the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, in John chapter 12, verses 12 to 18, same thing from the Passion Translation, it says this. The next day, the news that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem swept through the massive crowd gathered for the feast. So they took palm branches and went out to meet him. Everyone was shouting, Lord, be our Savior. Blessed is the one who comes to us, sent from Yahweh, the king of Israel. Then Jesus found a young donkey and rode, it on to fulfill, rode on it to fulfill what was prophesied. People of Zion, have no fear. Look, it's your king coming to you riding on a young donkey. Now, Jesus' disciples didn't fully understand the importance of what was taking place. But after he was raised and exalted into glory, they understood how Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies and the scriptures that were written about him. <clears throat> All the eyewitnesses of the miracle Jesus performed when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, kept spreading the news about Jesus to everyone. The news of this miracle, the resurrection, caused the crowds to swell as great numbers of people welcomed him into the city with joy. Now, the topic that we're covering is the spiritual discipline of celebration, but I put a subtitle to the message, and it's a question. It's, is your Hosanna complete? Is your Hosanna complete? <clears throat> Just to make a note here, not all church services are supposed to make you leave feeling happy. Just so you know that. 
I'm going to read again John 12, 17 through 18 in the NLT. It says, many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. So in other words, our celebration, when we talk about the, the discipline of celebration, cannot be crowd-driven. It cannot be crowd-driven. Uh, some of the same people that were in their crowd lost their Hosanna by Friday. They were shouting Hosanna on Palm Sunday, if we would call it that. And by Good Friday, which we call that today, um, they were saying crucify. Many of the same people in the crowd were going from Hosanna to crucify. Now, these are just some things that happened between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. Jesus clears the temple. He curses a fig tree. He challenges and encourages our faith, making us promises. He challenged religion. He spoke about personal integrity. He spoke about taxes. He corrected wrong theology. He told us the most important commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He speaks about the future. And then he tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. He tells us that we'll be hated by the world. He promises the Holy Spirit, an advocate, uh, the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. He prays for us and tells us to be ready for his return, all between Hosanna and crucify. In other words, God wants to be God on Monday. The crowd screamed Hosanna. The crowd screamed, and we'll get into that word in a moment. Um, but God wanted to be God on Monday. He wanted to be God on Tuesday. He wants to be God on Wednesday and so on and so forth. He wants to be God on Sunday morning before and after church service. He wants to be God in our conversations in the lobby. Now, as we talk about celebration, I want to tell you that there are seven Hebrew words, and we're going to go through these quickly, seven Hebrew words to praise God, to praise God. The first one is yada. Yada means to worship God with extended hands. This is a response. This is a, it's an act of love. It's an act of reverence as we lift our hands and worship God. So that's one way <clears throat> that we are to praise God. It's not something that we just do it here at Grace Point and another church may not do it or so on and so forth. This is in the Bible. And so that's one of the ways that we praise God is Yada. The next one is Halal. Now that's where, the root word in Hallelujah. It's to boast, it's to celebrate, it's to dance and jump. Zamar, which is to make music with strings or to celebrate in song and music. And so we didn't just create the stuff that goes on behind us and say that's a really good way to do things. This is the prescription that's found in the Bible as seven ways that we can praise God. Toda, which means another extended hand in thanksgiving for what God has done. This is a little different. This is when you see someone get all excited that they got a new job. And, and we're created this way because they may not even praising God, but all of a sudden their hands go up. They start getting really excited. And so toda is actually the way that we give a sacrifice of praise for something that God has done by, again, extending our hand, lifting our hand. Or it's actually something that God is going to do. It may have not have happened yet. It's an expectation. We are confessing our trust in God's faithfulness. Barak, which means to kneel in humility or submission. Sometimes I, I, I look at Pastor Daniel and I see him on his knees during a service. That is actually a way to praise God. It is prescribed to us in the Bible. Tehillah is a song of praise. It's a new song. Psalm 40 verse 3 says, He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God, and many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. This is a spontaneous song of worship. 
It is something that you are walking down the street, you're walking into your job, you're at home, and all of a sudden, it, it, it comes from the heart. You have to know God in order to praise God this way, and this is a spontaneous song. It is a song from the heart, from the love on your heart to God. Shabbat means to shout. Some of us, we're good at shouting at all the wrong things. Some of us shout at TV and we, we, when we're watching sports and so on and so forth, but we're actually created to shout. I can think of Pastor Carl, how many times he would shout glory, just the word glory, as he would be in, in the services. And, and, and that isn't something that it was just tradition that he grew up on. It's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Now, celebration is not denominational. There are seven ways the Bible teaches you to praise God when you're white. That includes dancing. And when you're black, there are seven ways the Bible teaches you to praise God. And when you're Asian, there are seven ways the Bible teaches you to praise God. And when you're Indian, there are seven ways the Bible teaches you to praise God. If you grew up in a Baptist home, a Pentecostal background, or no background, there are seven ways the Bible tells us to praise God. And I have to tell you that there is not an eighth way to praise God that looks like this during worship. David Wilkinson used to say that there would be a second salvation for Christians. Now, before you think my theology has went away somewhere, let me just explain that for a second. He would say that the Christian, once they gave their life to the Lord, sometimes their faces needed to be saved too. <laughs> I know that some people, they come into services and, and they're actually enjoying this six feet distance thing. Because if you're one of those people that, that are saying, oh, no, I don't want to sit near one of those people that lift their hands and they bump me and they start to move their feet and they start to dance and they start to be, it's not expressive, it's not their culture. There are seven ways to praise God. It's in the Bible. And if, if we're not doing one of them, we're missing out. We're missing out on what God wants to do. You have no idea before we get all uh, you know, upset that someone was near us and, and they're a little loud or they're shouting or, 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 or they're lifting their hands or they're dancing and we get upset. We don't know what that lady was going through. We don't know what she used to inject into her arm, but now she's in her right mind. Now she's saved. Now she has a relationship with Jesus, and so she comes into the house of God. She's going to lift her hands. She's going to be excited about the salvation of God. To the men that are in the room, David was a warrior, David in the Bible. He killed people, okay? We read over these things sometimes, like, you know, he killed many people. He took their lives in a just way. And so, sir, what's holding you back from lifting your hands, from shouting, from dancing, from celebrating God? Because I have a question for you. How tough are you? Are you as tough as David? Have you killed thousands? Because that man wrote a song book, and he knew how to dance before the Lord and, and worship the Lord, and he knew how to fight for the Lord. Sometimes we could become crusty. We think we get too educated, too dignified. We come into the house of God, and we've learned enough Bible, and 
we moved up in our jobs and and, and we, th- th- that lifting of hand stuff and that dancing stuff and that shouting stuff and kneeling things and, and, and raising our voice and singing, that's not for me. I, I, I'm a little, I'm smarter, if I could just put it that way. I'm just, listen, we, we, we got up here a little late, so we're, I'm just going to go right into it and just, sometimes we think we're too smart. We think we're too good. I'm past that. I have a house now. I have a good job. I can pay all my bills and, and tithe. And so I don't need to be that expressive. When my, when my life was falling apart, that was different. But I will tell you that there are seven ways to praise God no matter what season you're in. We need a re- revelation of our salvation. Because one sin leads a person to hell if they refuse to surrender their life to Jesus. One. And if you are a believer in this room, we need a revelation of our salvation. And we don't need anyone to push us to lift our hands and to cry out and to celebrate, to have a life of celebration for what God has done. After marriage, most likely, if you've been to a wedding, there's a reception after. There's a celebration of what took place. And so when we came into a relationship with Jesus Christ, there needs to be a celebration. I am unashamed of my wife. I don't walk with my wife, and if people ask me who she is, I I make up something and lie and tell her who she's not or something like that. She's my wife. And husbands, if you're in this room, you you need not to be ashamed of your wife. That's your wife. That's the gift that God has given you. And so our relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to be unashamed of our relationship with Jesus. Romans 1, 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. If you are a Christian in this room, listen to me, and we're going to get to that in a moment. If you are a Christian in this room, you are not going to hell. And if that, if that is not enough for you to lift your hands, for lift your voice, to move your feet, to worship God in spirit and in truth with all your heart, I really don't know what else is going to move you. It doesn't matter who leads worship. It doesn't matter what the preacher says. You really do need a revelation of the salvation that God has given you if you're a believer in this room. In the book of Acts, they were on fire. They were passionate for God. Now, um, you may, I grew up going to a church that used to walk in and see the big uh, crucifix with Jesus hanging there in, in the building. And uh, now they believe they're re-crucifying Jesus each week. But we celebrate here at Grace Point one death, one victory at the cross. But we also celebrate the resurrection. And just because a bunch of men got into a room many years ago and decided to change the rules of praising God and said, you can't do this. And you can't do this, and then generations later, we have whatever denominations those may be, that those are, that does not make it right. Just because a group of people got into a room and said, let's add this and this, and you've seen some crazy things, that doesn't make it right not to give God what he deserves. A spontaneous song of worship is actually what God tells us to do. Lifting our hands is what God tells us to do. He deserves our dance and our shout and our praise and our hands lifted high. Whether you're introverted or extroverted, whether you're whatever nationality, ethnicity you are, it's still seven ways to praise the Lord. But I want to tell you this, don't celebrate too early. Being a former athlete, and those of you that watch sports, you've probably seen the different athletes that have celebrated too early. They get the ball in their hand and they're running towards the end zone and they put the ball out thinking they're celebrating and they didn't realize the person behind them just knocked it out of their hand. Or maybe in a track race, someone slows down just a little bit, 
before they get to the finish line and somebody else comes up before them. These people in the book of John and Matthew on that Palm Sunday, many of them celebrated too early because this celebration was not complete. It was missing two things. Matthew 21, 9 tells us they shouted, Hosanna. As Pastor Daniel just said, it, it means to save, oh save, oh save, but it wasn't the salvation that we're thinking of. In other words, it can mean bring the victory. They were praising God to save them now, to overthrow really Roman oppression and, and set the nation free as they saw fit. They, weren't, they wanted victory without the cross. That's what they wanted. They didn't want the cross. They just wanted what they wanted right then and there, and so that was their shout. Matthew 21.10 says, as Jesus entered Jerusalem, the people went wild with excitement. The entire city was thrown into an uproar. If you've been to a secular concert, they get loud. You've been to a sports event, they get loud. And so all the noise doesn't really matter that much because you had all the noise in this city, but it was an incomplete Hosanna. The Hosanna was not complete. John 12.13 says, they took palm branches and went out to meet him. And everyone was shouting, Lord, be our Savior. But it was crowd-driven. What kind of savior do you want? What kind of savior do you want? Do you want the savior that just gives you what you want? Do you want the savior that grants every prayer that you pray? What kind of savior do you want? Do you want the savior that has promised you that, yes, it's going to get hard in life, but I will be there with you? The savior that will forgive you of sin, sin, and give you eternal life forever in heaven. What kind of savior do you want? What are we celebrating when we shout Hosanna? And so the question to the message is, is your Hosanna complete? And so this is the next question. Does your Hosanna include a throne and the lamb? Does it include it? When you waved the palm branches this morning, when we lifted our hands this morning, when we raised our voice, it must include these two things in the Hosanna. It has to have the throne and it has to have the lamb. And I want to share a verse with you because there's another Palm Sunday in the Bible. It's an eternal Palm Sunday from Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. You don't have to turn there, just listen. After this, I looked, and behold, right in front of me I saw a vast multitude of people, an enormous multitude so huge that no one could count, made of victorious ones from every nation, tribe, people, group, and language. They were all in glistening white robes standing before the throne and before the lamb with palm branches in their hands, and they shouted. So if you don't like to shout now, it's, you know, thank God, God will give us the grace to do what we got to do in heaven, but you're going to miss out on earth. And so they shouted out with a passionate voice, salvation belongs to our God, seated on the throne and to the lamb. Every hosanna needs a throne and the lamb. The throne is the master. It's the king. The Bible says that Jesus is the word. It's truth. You cannot look at the Bible and say no. I cannot do that, and you cannot do that if we call ourselves a Christian. We cannot call ourselves a Christian and read something in the Bible and say, that's just not for me. It's not true. Then our Hosanna is incomplete. The Hosanna must have the throne. They were shouting, salvation belongs to our God. And they got the salvation right here. <laughs> the salvation belongs to our God, seated on the throne and to the lamb. And so there needs to be a throne and there also needs to be a lamb. There needs to be the cross in our Hosanna. 
It can't be emotional. It can't be a frenzy that's worked up. We can't come into a place and just say, this is exciting because it's Holy Week and we, we do this and we do that. There needs to be an understanding of why we shout Hosanna. There needs to be a true Hosanna in our hearts like this Palm Sunday, if I can call it that, in the book of Revelation. There was the throne and there was the lamb. But our salvation needs a throne and the lamb too. The Bible makes this very clear, and I want you to listen, folks. Very clear. Salvation requires repentance and belief. And if you're listening online or if you're in the house, listen very carefully. There is no heaven, there is no salvation if one of those is missing. We cannot just repent and say, I'm going to try really hard. I don't like how I treat my wife. I don't like how I treat my kids. I don't like how I'm handling my, myself at my job. I don't like the anger of the race. So I'm going to try really hard. God, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to try hard. I'm, I'm going to make this happen. That's only repentance. And you can't just say, well, I believe in you, Jesus, because the Bible says if I believe, I'm saved. That word belief is actually to entrust your whole self to. And so salvation needs both. If you've never repented of sin, there is no salvation for you. And if you've never placed your trust in what Jesus did on the cross, there's no salvation for you. It takes both. They have to both be there. Every salvation needs a throne and a lamb. So the question is, does your confession have a throne and a lamb? Your confession of faith, does it have a throne and a lamb? Sir, does it really have a throne? Let's get real for a second. Does it really have a throne? Does it really? Are you still king of your home? Are you still just, you know what, I'll, I'll partner with Jesus, and when I need him, I'll call him once in a while, but I'll, I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to do my career. I'm going to move up the way I want to move up. I want to I do me. And there's no throne in your salvation. Is there a lamb? Is there a lamb? Is there coming to a place that's saying, there is nothing good in me, God, I need you. That I have sinned against you. That sin will separate you. And I believe Jesus really died on the cross and he did rise from the dead. Is there a throne and is there a lamb? I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. I'm going to ask us to stand. I want to close with this. Today is Palm Sunday. And we hear this word, Hosanna, many times. We've shouted it for years. And some of us are here today and we really don't know what's going on. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you thought this place was strange because they're waving sticks in the air, branches. But the Bible says that there is eternity. There is a heaven and there is a hell. There is forever with God and forever without him. But the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus said it. During the week between Hosanna and Crucify, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. So I ask you, can you still shout Hosanna after hearing that? Can you still understand that the good Muslim does not go to heaven? 
that the good Jewish person doesn't go to heaven unless they repent and surrender their life to Jesus. Can you still shout Hosanna? That the 25-year-old who is not a Christian, but they're nice and they're kind and they give the charities, if they stop breathing, they don't spend eternity with God unless they've surrendered to, unless there's a throne, unless there's a lamb. Unless there's a throne, unless there's a lamb. The Bible calls it being born again. The Bible said, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He cannot enter it. He cannot be there. So what does it mean to be born again? There needs to be a turning from sin and a turning to God. There needs to be an opening of the heart and a surrender to him. And so I'm going to ask us to bow our heads in a moment of prayer right now. And, and I want to ask the question this morning. Because this, this is your moment. Folks, listen carefully as your eyes may be closed and your head is bowed. Eternity is too long to be wrong. It's too long. And I'm not interested if you've, maybe this is your 50th Palm Sunday. Or maybe it's your first time ever coming to this church. There's no heaven without a throne and a lamb. Unless Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And unless you place faith in what he did on the cross. And I'm just not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I just want to ask in this moment, if you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to repent and believe. You want to repent and you want to believe. I just ask you to lift your hand. I want to pray with you right where you are. Unashamedly, lift your hand right where you are. Wherever you are. I see your hands. Anybody else? Listen, a throne and a lamb. We can shout Hosanna in the street just like those people. We can shout it all day and night. But if there's no throne and lamb, we're just shouting into the wind. Anybody else here that say, today's the day I want to give my life to Jesus? Raise your hand. I see your hands. Pray with me and mean it from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus. I give you my life, no games. I turn from sin and I'm turning to you. I believe you died for me, forgive me for my sin. And I believe you rose from the dead. I open my heart to you that I may spend eternity with you forever in heaven, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. close with this. Remain standing because we have a little bit of time to worship. To the Christian, God wants to be God on Monday. He wants to be God on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. He wants to be God. Maybe some of you have been shouting Hosanna and you've been saying save now, but can you still shout Hosanna when God does not show up the way you want him to or the time that you want him to? Because when we celebrate, a life of celebration includes these things. And so when we sing this song, you're going to be encouraged to celebrate. Listen, we celebrate that we're forgiven. That's why we celebrate. Remember, one sin without salvation, a person spends eternity in hell. For me, I'm excited that I'm going to heaven. We celebrate that we're forgiven. We celebrate the promises of God. We celebrate that we get to pray and talk to God and he talks to us. We celebrate 
by witnessing, by Joshua going around telling people he's getting baptized. We celebrate by witnessing. We celebrate when we're rebuked, when we're challenged, and when we're corrected, and we're told the future's hard. We celebrate the truth. The Bible says love does not delight in evil. It hates evil, but loves the truth. That's the real Hosanna. It has a throne, and it has a lamb. And so before we leave this place, if you are a believer, and maybe your Hosanna's been a little off, just surrender that to the Lord today. As they lead us in worship, lift your hands, lift your voice, move your feet. You want to get on your knees, get on your knees. You want to shout to God, you shout to God. There are seven ways to praise the Lord, no matter what color skin you have, no matter what denomination you came from, no matter what background you came from. We follow the Bible here at Grace Point. And so why don't we start that now? Go ahead and lift your hands with me. Lift your hands. Father, you are amazing and you are incredible. And we do shout as Pastor Carl would say, glory, 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 glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we cry out and we lift our hosanna to the throne and to the Lamb. Father, because salvation belongs to you. Go ahead and lift your voice, beloved, as they lead us in worship.